0: Benfica podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica independent. Uh, Benfica is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio, uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidades. If that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidades, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the modalidades on BTV, you can now catch the recaps and also modalidades talk on Benfica Independent, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles. Uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between uh, Benfica podcast, uh, Independent. The only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Benfica Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent.
1: Ser Benfica é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A culto é um que é um que, que é um que é um que é o que é as pessoas. Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão, uma paixão. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser Benfica. Mas de facto é uma paixão. E
2: as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão.
0: Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll podcast, episode number 420. Is it 27 Seven. or 20? Is it 27 or 24? I, I lose count. Uh, anyway, my name my name is Alfredo. Uh, with me, as always, Cristiano Oliveira. Cristiano, what's happening? Hey, okay, Alfredo, tudo bem? When I'm not there, man, your whole your whole setup is screwed. And up. Our,
3: our 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 fugazi producer. Uh Bruno Barros Let me down, man. He, he, you know, the camera can't set it up. The guy doesn't show up. We I think we, we need to, to to put out a, a feeler on Twitter to see if we if we could get ourselves a new um producer Alfredo, I think you know we need we need to drop that guy.
1: Yeah, I don't are you, know about I... you and Bruno are you guys on speaking terms uh yeah always love that guy. Love
0: that guy <laughs> uh no it's actually four twenty 420, four twenty four I think I screwed that up. But anyway, Dave Diolivera is also here. What's happening, Dave?
1: Nothing much. Good to be back on here uh, tonight. Awesome. Good win, too. Good win this weekend.
0: Yeah, good win. But before we get uh, get to the win columns, we got a surprise for you all since it's uh, international uh, duty. And we figured we, uh, we'd do it a, something a little different. And you heard Cristiano uh, talking about João and Maria with the broom. We got the real deal. <laughs> you got steve and april with us obviously as you you may know them um the doubles mixed doubles curling portuguese representation can i can that's i awesome. introduce you guys as yes. that
4: yeah that works
0: that's awesome awesome so thank you so much for joining us and and i know that this is a little bit um a little bit off the, the cuff in terms of what we're used to, but we felt it was so interesting to bring you guys on and at the same time teach people about curling.
2: We love it. You know, we all, we, it's our favorite sport. We love it. It's taken us places we never would have expected. So we are happy to come on and chat with you guys. And thanks so much for having us. So
0: awesome. So awesome. Um, so let, let's, start, let's start at the beginning. Uh, and I know that, April, you were a, a lifelong, uh, is, it, is it called a player or a curler?
2: You can, either one. Either one works. Yeah, I started curling when I was 12. And then I've been curling steadily since I was about uh, 24. So that's, uh, you know, 26 years of curling now. So, uh, yeah, it's a sport I've been doing for a long time. A little less for Steve.
0: And, yeah. and, and Steve, you're clearly the more famous of the Secheru uh, clan. <laughs> how did well, you? Uh, <laughs> how I'll did you get honor. into? How did you get into curling?
4: Well, April April introduced me. I used to um, I played a lot of hockey when I grew up, um, and then uh, in, we lived in Seattle and I played a lot of hockey there. Um, curling was something that was her sport. I played hockey. She introduced me to it, and I fell in love with it. Um, so it's. Uh, it's so a lot of fun it's more social than hockey can be um, far less physical uh, from a uh, hitting perspective but uh, it is it is a fun sport so it's a it's a lot of uh, a lot of workout if you're sweeping a lot and uh, you know it's it's on ice and it's very Canadian as well
2: I know it's less physical until your wife hits you in the mouth with the broom eh yeah that's that's the worst
4: <laughs> worst ice experience I've had in a sport mean from her hitting you with a broom in the face
2: it was just a nudge
4: yeah.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so, so let me uh, let's start with in in layman's terms. Could one of you guys explain to our audience what curling is about?
2: Sure. It's kind of like botching on ice. So we've got a forty-two pound rock. It's uh, granite from one particular place in Scotland, and uh, we slide it on ice down a lane that's about one hundred and forty feet long. Uh, to uh, what's called the house. It looks like a big bullseye at the other end. And uh, we do that by sliding in this lunge position. And uh, it's really a pretty darn amazing sport. You know, it's, uh, you don't have to be super athletic, but some athleticism really takes you a long way in the sport. So it's, uh, it's like chess on ice. It's just the best sport on earth. If you ask me, maybe second best to you guys.
3: I, uh, I absolutely think it's an amazing sport. I think you guys made a sport out of a broom and a in a tea kettle. I think that is amazing. <laughs> so, congratulations. Um, it is an absolute honor to have you guys here on a podcast with us. Um, Alfredo and I have been doing this for many years, Dave as well, but Alfredo and I are a little bit longer. And I, I think this is the first time we've ever had the privilege of speaking to a you know to Portuguese internationals. So thank you very much for not big-timing us. Thank you very much for taking the time and joining us here. Uh, I just wanted to give also a big shout-out to, a, I believe, a colleague of yours because he's also a Portuguese national team curler, but I believe he's like what you guys would call singles, right? Uh, he's by himself, so singles, right, i would assume. Uh Derek, uh, there's- Derek Marks, I, it would be singles, right?
1: No? Mm, there's no such thing as uh, singles. Oh, there's a team of four. <laughs>
3: Okay, whatever. So Derek Marks, I'm pretty sure you guys are familiar with him. So I just want to give him a big shout out. And um, I just wanted to, uh, once again, reiterate that I think you guys uh, are doing an amazing job. You're representing our country, our beautiful country, in ways that Alfredo and I, just until recently, thought it was, and with all due respect, was the joke. You know, this is the one with the broom and the, and the teacup. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Growing up in a Portuguese household, I had to wash the dishes and, and mop the floor every night before going to bed. Had I known there was, like, actually a sport out there, I might have taken the whole mopping the floor a little bit more serious. So, thank See you, you guys for taking the time. Yeah, <laughs> you, could, you could have made the Olympics. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, you never know. Th- that's awesome. So,
0: tell us about how this connection to, to Portugal came about. Because up until then, you guys were just, you know, curlers. Uh, in your own right, right? You guys live in, in British Columbia, in your own right. How did how did that phone call come about or that contact come about?
4: Go ahead. Sure. It, um, so we actually, uh, it was just a few years ago that we noticed on uh, Facebook, there was a, a Curling Portugal page. Um, and it was a page put together by a friend of ours, a guy that's been working with us since, uh, João Cardoso in Portugal. Um, he's in Lisbon. And uh, he's never actually gone to a curling game but he saw it at the Olympics on TV and he thought it was fascinating. And so he wanted to try to get uh, Portugal to have a curling team. And so he helped create this Facebook page uh, and put out this call for national Portuguese curlers to see if there was anybody out there. Um, There's not any ice in Portugal to curl on right now. Um, And so, you know, there isn't going to be somebody in Portugal that has that experience, but there's plenty of Canadians that are Portuguese, plenty of US citizens that are Portuguese as well, uh, that have tried curling and have played. So we saw that, I responded and said, hey, I'm here if you are interested. And we had a chat uh, and then we became uh, part of the conversation about becoming a team. They found out that April curled a lot as well. Uh, She wasn't a Portuguese citizen at the time, but uh, since then she's become a Portuguese citizen. Um, And so they decided, hey, there's this, you know, One of the types of curling that you can do is mixed up, mixed doubles. And that's one man, one woman. And you put us together and that's a team. And then you can compete at an international level. Uh, So that's how it started. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's been, COVID sort of paused that a little bit for the last couple of years. But uh, since, you know, since we've been able to go and and do stuff that, uh, you know, we've got one tournament under our belt now, and hopefully we'll have many more to come.
0: Right. Because so that tournament was that the pre qualifier for the Olympics in Turkey.
2: Yeah, that's what that was. Uh, that was you know the first step toward the Olympics and Portugal's first ever uh, international curling uh, event. So that was that was amazing. Just it's so spectacular to wear these jackets and step out on that ice and represent Portugal. Like you know, it's just been incredible. It's an honor, a huge honor.
1: So awesome. Yeah. So where does the, uh, where do you guys, and where does the program go from here? I know you guys, uh, had the, uh, tournament in Turkey. Are there any other, uh, Olympic qualifiers that are coming up is, uh, or is that it for the 2020 games?
4: So for the the games coming up, that's, that's it. We only had uh, our team that could actually play at the Olympics. There's only three different uh, versions of the sport that you can play at the Olympics. There's a men's team, a women's team, and a mixed doubles team. Um, and We were the only team that could actually try to qualify so what we went to was the pre-qualifier if we had made it out of that we would have gone to the qualifiers which are coming up in a couple weeks Um, and then if you got out of that the top two teams out of that would make it to the olympics Um, our next tournament is actually going to be trying to qualify uh, portugal for the world championships so every year they hold you know world championships and we're going to try the same thing we have to go through a qualifier first um, if we end up in the top four of that qualifier, we make the world championships and that's the top 20 teams in the world. So we're looking forward to that. And
2: Great. that's in uh, January in Scotland. So we're very excited to do that. Right. Yeah.
0: Cristiano, did you know that the, the kettle that you're talking about is actually a piece of granite, but that piece of granite is just not any piece of granite. That piece of granite actually has to come from Scotland, Right. What, why is that, Steve, in, in April? Why, why is it, why does that, pe- what makes that piece of granite so special that needs to come specifically from Scotland?
4: And not just specifically from Scotland, it's specifically one island off the coast of Scotland. Um, and it's, it's really to do with the density of the, of the granite. Um, and so these things are hitting each other on the ice, and sometimes they're hitting each other with a lot of force. Um, and so you need to make sure that whatever piece of granite or rock that you're going to have, isn't going to break, you know, imagine your granite countertop and you drop, you know, a bowl on it or something and it chips, you can't have that happen on the ice. <laughs> uh, you can't have that happen with these rocks. And so they have to take and sustain a lot of force. So really, you know, one of the things is the density of it and, and making sure that it's it's the toughest it can be.
0: Yeah. So is there a limited supply of granite in that island?
2: There is. I yeah, think it's probably, a large limited supply Though we're okay yeah. for like several years at least.
0: Um, talk to us about the broom, right? It's not any the common household broom, and I, I don't know if you—that's—that's that's really. You you, do you call it a broom? Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah.
0: So, so this,
2: talk this, this to is
0: it these colors. Look it, that. beautiful. To, to me, it just looks like it looks like a modified Swiffer, if, if you ask me, right?
2: It kind of does. Yeah. So t- tell us, tell us
0: about that. That. um, wh- What's it made of? uh and obviously how you use it on the ice and how it changes uh the direction of the stone
4: sure i'll, uh, I'll talk about the broom itself and then april can talk about what, what we do on the ice so this broom uh it's made by a canadian company uh, hardline hardline upside down for you let's see there it is <laughs> hardline um and so the broom is made out of carbon fiber um so like there. are hockey sticks for example that are made of carbon fiber. So it's super light. Um, and you want it to be light so that you you know if you're sweeping a ton over a weekend uh, or at a tournament, you need to be able to maintain as much strength as possible. So being light is important. Um, the cover here uh, is a special material for uh, competition play. So this one, you know, we had made specially in Portuguese colors uh, so that we could represent Portugal at, at the, uh, the event. Um, but the cover itself is like this uh, woven sort of fabric. It's a little bit water resistant. Um, and when you're sweeping, you know, this could get wet, but uh, you're trying to make sure that, you know, when you're sweeping, you, you keep the broom as, as uh, clean as possible.
0: So, so yours is made of synthetic material?
2: Yeah. yeah. And all competition ones are now. Uh, this is the only type of uh, broom head now that's legal in competition play, uh, this uh, nylon fabric. Yeah, uh, and- you know- Go ahead.
0: Yeah, because no, I heard that previously was either hog or horse hair. Yep.
2: Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When I learned how to play, uh, it was uh, horsehair brooms, and uh, those were newfangled at that point. And uh, you know, it's it's enough of a, a a large sport that people keep innovating the brooms, and so this is the latest innovation. And uh, several years ago, we went through a period that's been called Broomgate where uh, this company, Hardline, made a broom that was super effic- efficient and effective. It was so much so that they actually pulled it. Uh, World Curling Federation banned it from play, and uh, they had to go to the standardized head and make it a little less effective because people were just steering the rocks like crazy. So-
0: yeah, so, so, so talk to us about how you use it to steer because it just seems that you're just like brushing things out of the way so the rock goes by goes by quicker. But that's not the case, right? That, of, there's actually uh, some thought.
3: Alfredo, I just want to jump in here. I, I think you, you've you become an expert at this. I think if Portugal, if anyone, the, the Portuguese authorities right now listening at this moment, wherever they are, right, around the world or tomorrow morning, whatever, if you guys are looking for a, a you know, sideline reporter, Portuguese, sideline, Alfredo is your man. I just
2: want to, <laughs> want
3: to say that, I'm, I'm sure there's probably t- 27 question. other people in Canada that
0: are a lot more qualified to report about the sport than me.
2: Hey, you're doing a great job. And I'm going to say, too, that uh, Joao Cardoso, our uh, friend in Lisbon, he's a big fan of your podcast. So also, he's going to be listening to this right now and being like, hey, I want to talk to Alfredo here and get him into our program. So. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I, I could carry the Gatorade, Joao. I volunteer.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, April, tell us about how you use the, the, the broom to, to, to obtain the objective that you want from the rock.
2: Yeah, the broom can uh, – sweeping can do a couple of things. It can make the rock uh, go a little further. Uh, and it can make it uh, go straighter, or you can actually curl it under some circumstances, make it it curl and bend even a little more. And uh, the directional part is done by putting very small scratches in the ice uh, that uh, affect the travel of the rock, and uh, the uh, distance part of it uh, occurs by reducing the friction on the bottom of the rock, so you can travel a little further. Uh, A lot of the stuff about the broom and what it actually does, it's really interesting. We've learned so much in the last several years since the whole Broomgate episode, uh, you know, about what exactly the brooms have been doing. We had a lot of theories before, but there's been a lot more learning since then. So it's pretty cool. Now, this guy here is an amazing sweeper. And when he's putting all this pressure on the rock and I'm screeching at him at the top of my lungs, he can make that rock go so much further or just bend and save my bacon.
0: So, so Steve, did you pick that... uh that brooming that technique from when you used to clean your your parents house on the weekend on Saturday
4: mornings we, we had a central vac so um, oh,
3: fancy
2: we, we didn't have a broom but when I really want him to sweep I play the Portuguese music and he jumps up and he just starts sweeping yeah. like crazy
4: yeah. what is it the batupe what's your go-to <laughs> I don't know I was woken up many times at like 6 a.m on Saturdays with uh, my dad cleaning the house and you know Portuguese music started
3: so. now sweeping is a key part of curling is Absolutely. would you yeah. guys say the screaming and yelling is also essential is that like the, the instructions because I, I mean, i'm telling you, that's like growing up in a portuguese household You <laughs> and your mom screaming and yelling at you so i mean is that also a key part of the game because obviously the instructions and directions i mean I, i'm just trying to yeah think. yeah so
4: like when i when i'm sweeping i don't necessarily have my head up i'm just pounding on the broom as much as i can Uh, When you're on the broom, you actually want to put as much force on that as possible. And so really you're looking straight down uh, to try to keep the, you know, as much momentum going forward as possible. Uh, So when April is yelling at me, I know that if she's yelling harder at me, I need to sweep more or I need to sweep in a particular direction. Um, So she'll give me instructions on what has to happen with the rock. Um, And so like she said, you can make it bend a little bit or you can make it go farther it's my job to determine that, you know, how far the rock is going to go. You know, if she says, Hey, throw it to this position. And it does it doesn't have enough uh, force to get there. I have to sweep it so that it can get there. Um, and I have to be pretty accurate, right? You, you win and lose this game by inches. Um, you know, we you know, can sweep a rock three, to three to five feet sometimes if, if you're really good at it.
0: Yeah. So how often do you guys practice?
2: So we play uh, currently in uh, three leagues a week, and then we've got a weekly practice with uh, an amazing coach here who we've been working with now for the past uh, year and a half. Uh, So we play a heck of a lot.
3: Is there any talk of hopefully sometime in the near future of somewhere in Lisbon, Porto, uh, in Portugal somewhere, where they would actually stage this, they would set up, a sheet, what you guys call a sheet, right? And have you guys come out there and show the Portuguese community uh, what it's what it's like to actually curl? Because hopefully, like you guys said, you'll qualify for the World Championships and even the Olympics, which is a tremendous honor for the country. Um, so, is there talk of 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 any example to set it, you know, to show the rest of the country what it's like? Sure, yeah.
4: Like our federation would love to do that, and they certainly are talking to people. Obviously, the better we can do, and the better the other teams on on the Portugal uh, curling side can do the more, um, you know, excitement that they can have and the more people will want to do that. They are actually putting in some ice in uh, Sereda de Estrella um, this coming holiday season, I think. Um, and so they're going to be able to uh, show people some of it. It's not going to be exact kind of what we're doing uh, in terms of curling, but it'll give people a flavor of, uh, you know, what's the ice surface like. They'll have actual rocks there and some of the equipment. Um, so. You know, they'll get an understanding of it and the other the other thing that they have done um, not on ice but you can do floor curling uh, where you set up you know the houses and you have uh, rocks that you can throw that are on uh, like uh, rollerblade wheels or something like that um, and that kind of gives people an understanding of it if you don't have ice um, but yeah someday you know we're hoping that there'll be ice and we can actually go to portugal and, and show people what it's all about
1: no uh- Oh, sorry, uh, Chris and Alfredo, just uh, for context, the ice isn't uh, your regular ice, uh, like at your local hockey rink or your, uh, your skating rink. There's pebbles in these uh, these ice uh, too, so that's probably, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Stephen Apple, that's probably why there's no uh, rinks uh, yet in uh, Portugal, curling rinks?
2: Yeah, it is very specific ice, and uh, this, you know the surface has to be pretty perfect in order to play a reasonable game. Uh, you can kind of make a sort of curling experience on hockey ice, but it takes some work. Um, so, yeah, you know, Portugal's really not had an ice arena yet. So this first uh, arena up in de Estrela is going to be their first shot at uh, having some skating and a uh, little bit of curling. So it's so, so- cool.
3: Since we're talking about ice, right, I, I I love ice hockey. I grew up watching ice hockey. And I know after every period, they come in with the, with, with, with the, with the Zamboni. So. <laughs> uh, Zabroni. Zabroni. With, the, with the Zamboni. <laughs> that's, they, that's different. That's not a hockey game. <laughs> and they clean it up and they actually give you a clean sheet of ice. Yeah. Due to the fact you're over there sweeping, right, do you have to get new sheet of ice? Do you actually have to? Or do you just play on the same sheet of ice, whatever however long the game takes?
4: No, so you play on the same sheet. The only thing they do in competition play, um, halfway through you get a break, and in that, in that break they clean the ice. So they basically just run um, a soft broom down the ice to get rid of any you know, imperfections that might have fallen, like hairs or something, uh, to get that off of the ice. Uh, but that's, that's about it. Um, you play, <laughs> you play the, uh, the game fully on the first sheet of ice that, as the sheet was started.
0: April, you want to answer that?
2: Oh, okay, I'll answer the second part of it. So, I love bacalhau. Uh, My dad was from the east coast of Canada, and I grew up eating salt cod. So, I absolutely adore bacalhau, and I think when I first met Steve's parents, uh, Steve's mom had made pescheche de bacalhau, and I just ate all of it. And I think she was like, who is this Canadian girl you brought home who loves bacalhau?
0: (laughs) So, that was it. You were in. I was. (laughs) (laughs) So, so talk to us about... um... There was, there was something else that attracted my curiosity is the fact of shoes, right? Because the right shoe is not the same as the left shoe, right?
4: Correct, yeah. So to be able to slide on ice, uh, you need to have something slippery. And so one of the soles of one of the shoes, it, depending on if you're right-handed or left-handed, um, you'll have Teflon on the bottom of it. And so that'll be the thing that you're actually on top of sliding. Um, and then you drag your other foot uh, with a regular regular shoe that other shoe is going to have what's called a gripper on it. It's basically thick rubber so that you don't fall. Um, and so, you know, when you learn, you have to learn to keep your balance. And that's, that's one of the things about curling is, you know, you may look at it and think, Oh, that's easy. And then you try sliding and you realize that I'm going to fall on my butt. Um, and so it's not, it's not easy to get your balance. Once you've done it enough, then, then you can, you can figure it out. But, um, it's, it's, uh, sliding is is a key part of it because that's where you get your momentum of throwing rock
2: yeah i don't know if you guys can pull up those pictures again but there's a couple of them where we're actually in the slide position yeah and and you can see the front foot that's the teflon foot and uh you know you're sliding on that and our the back foot is trailing behind you and you got to stay in this position like you're holding that position you got you're lining up at a very particular place you got to let go in a very particular way because you're aiming, you know, to hit a target that you know might be this big, down at the other end of the ice. So, you know, the and It shoes, takes
3: flexibility. It takes to it hold does. that position the whole. Because I mean, I'd fail right there. That'd be the end of my uh, curling <laughs> career, just right there. But how do you guys? So one sweeps, one one throws the the, the stone down the ice. You guys so, rotate, right? You take turns, and how do you determine who goes first? Do they flip a coin? Uh, you just pick who goes. How does that work?
2: Well, for us, uh, since we play mixed doubles, we throw five rocks. One of us throws the first rock and the last rock. The other throws the three in the middle. And for us, what we found works best is I throw first and last, and Steve throws the three middle ones. Um, you know, we we could switch it up, uh, but we don't because we find that this works for us. The other thing that works for us is Steve does all the sweeping. He is a better sweeper than I am. And, uh, you know, my strength is uh, looking at where the rock is going and telling him, you know, I need you to curl it or I need you to keep it straight. So, for us,
3: that's what works for us as a team. so wait, you said you throw the first and the last normally yep. in penalties in soccer it's like usually the best guys go first or last and the pressure <laughs> so are you saying that you're a better thrower stone thrower than Steve is? I mean, you just <laughs> between us he's not listening we won't tell him <laughs> i'll
4: give, I'll give her her props it's 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 all good she uh she definitely you know the the last rock is usually a lot of pressure and she does really well under that pressure um so You don't. if you throw that last rock, you might be facing, you know, four other points that are out counting you right now, and you need to make a perfect shot. Um, I like the sweeping. I like being able to judge kind of what, where the rock is going to go and knowing that I can affect it and get it to the the place it needs to. Um, And so that helps me. And, um, you know, I love the pressure, too. In, in, In men's games, I'll play that last spot, too. (laughs) Go come Portugal, on. This guy right
1: <laughs> in Portugal. Now, now because of the doubles uh you don't have the other uh compared to f- like the regular four uh crew curling uh you don't have your your set sweepers so I, I kind of forgot about that because you're uh like for instance Steve when you when you're tossing the stone you have to get up right away and and start sweeping. Yeah. Uh, right away, so that that's uh, one of the the main differences between the two games. Other than the the five stones, um, and the one stone is is uh, uh, there, is it not in the doubles match where the in regulars regular curling uh, it, there's not a set stone at the uh, the beginning of the end, correct? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say yeah. There's there's one stone
2: out front and then one stone in the house. And I'm sorry, this is like a, a curler's hand hand motion. We always do this to tell you where rocks are, so. Um, so yeah, there's two play stones uh, at the beginning of an end, uh, End is like an in baseball and, uh, and yeah, uh, that, that is so different with the sweeping.
3: Look, I don't know anything about curling, but I know a little something about bocce ball and I always did all right because I would just aim my ball at the opposition ball and get it out. Of, so why don't you just knock their stones out of the way and keep yours in the middle? Isn't that like a great strategy? I just gave it to you, by the way. If you win, the, if you qualify for the world championship on that strategy, you got to give me some credit. Yeah, it, isn't it, that,
4: isn't that great? Definitely a strategy you can employ. There are some rules against it. Oh. They, uh, they but...
2: saw you coming, and they were like, "We gotta do uh-huh. something so Cristiano doesn't
1: have Portugal win everything." Yeah.
4: So in, what, in our... what is the
1: rule by, behind that? Because I've seen it like when we, when you want to uh, clear the or what is it called, the clear a uh, guard, uh, a guard like. Clear the guard, but sorry, but to uh, blank the end, like ev- that everybody just hits their own stone, right? Just to make it a, a draw uh, for the end yeah. to keep the hammer?
4: Yeah, so in uh, in Mixed Doubles, uh, it's a little bit different than the, the regular play. Uh, because we have a couple of stones already preset, um, you can't hit, you can hit stuff, but you can't take it out of play until the fourth rock is thrown. Um, and so... Um, that prevents people from just getting rid of all the rocks and just getting one point uh, and making the sport really boring. And that, that used to be the way it was, where, you know, back in the 80s, people would just hit everything um, and games would be like one nothing.
2: Um, and the crowd would be like boring. Exactly.
3: <laughs> that was like a Fernando Santos Portuguese national team. Being like that. <laughs> they just changed the rules. <laughs>
0: Bef- and Look, I-, I wanted to really thank you for, for taking the time and-, and-, and sitting in with us and telling us about your sport. But before you go, I have a quiz, a five-question quiz that is going to test your knowledge of the sport.
2: Okay, right? we're ready.
0: So, first question, and th- all of these should be fairly easy for you guys. Where did the sport first originate it? Scotland. I don't have the bell, but that's the bell.
3: I got a bell, Alfredo. You, should... <laughs> you got a bell and a buzzer? I got everything.
1: OK,
3: oh, like, but, but go. I, I got to find them, right, <laughs> but, but they're here somewhere. What oh. what year
0: was curling officially added as an Olympic sport?
2: Oh, it was. Uh, Calgary was unofficial. Yeah, yeah, Alberville was... was official,
4: 1992.
2: 98.
4: Yeah. Oh, Nagano. Oh, Nagano. No, no. No, no. Oh, I need a buzzer. <laughs> I was going
0: to
2: jump in, but. What? was that? A flushing of the toilet? No, no.
0: no that was the Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> Objection. Uh, okay. <laughs> Where did the first curling world championship take place?
2: Oh, geez. These are tough questions. You guys should know this. I, I know who won the first <laughs> World Cup. I think it's Perth. I think it's Perth, Scotland.
0: It's in Scotland. So I give you at least... It was Falkirk and Edinburgh. Okay. Wow. 1959. Hmm. Um, okay. Which, which player has won the most Grand Slams? Uh,
1: most Grand Slams. Is that, Is that international or Canadian Grand Slams? No, Grand,
4: grand Slams... Grand Slams is a
2: is sportsnet series. Sportsnet series, yeah. yeah so that's,
4: that's Canadian.
1: Canadian, but it's full of international
2: players too. Yeah. I'll,
0: I'll give you. I'll give you a clue.
2: Okay.
0: Kmart. Oh, oh, it's Kevin Martin. Yeah.
2: yeah. Of course. Yeah. Don't tell any Canadians. In
0: <laughs> 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 and uh, the very last one: which current, which country currently holds number one ranking?
3: It's not Portugal.
2: Men or women?
0: Uh, men. Let's go, men.
2: That is, uh, is that a dean? I think
3: it's, yeah. I think it's, it's Sweden.
0: Sweden. S- Sweden is
3: correct.
2: Awesome. <laughs> oh,
3: I can't <laughs> use this one no
2: more.
0: Um, so, thanks again. Anything <laughs> that you guys want to throw out, any shout-outs? Uh, I know that, that people in the chat was uh, uh, were pretty pretty excited about what we've done here and we were also very excited and thank you for for enriching our knowledge of the sport i am definitely going to be um watching it now with a little bit more interest and with a little bit more knowledge the biggest thing is i'm researching the spot this the sport was that the the circle which gets you the most points or maybe the second most points is red and my favorite color is red
2: there you go (laughs) So yeah, we, you know, thanks so much for having us. And, uh, you know, we just want to say if there's any other citizen curlers out there, you know, reach out to the Portuguese Winter Sports Federation. They're fdiportugal.pt, or you can find us on Twitter. We're G60MDCurling. Uh, and uh, also want to give a shout out to uh, our other current team for the Portuguese uh, program. And that's the Mixed Team, which is the Rudao family from uh, Oakville, Ontario. And, uh, you know, keep your eyes on us. I think that uh, as we keep going, you're going to see more people coming forward and we're going to end up having more teams representing Portugal out there. That's awesome.
3: It's awesome. Thank you guys very much for taking the time to, you know, to come on here and talk to us about this. Uh, Those jackets are super cool. A lot of people in the chat want to know where they could get them. So, I mean. Yeah,
2: you got got to earn them. But, uh, you know, there is talk that maybe one day we're going to have some uh, Portuguese curling uh, fan gear. So we'll be uh, letting people know as soon as that's out there.
3: That's Thank awesome. you so very much, and best of luck. Hope you guys win it all, and uh, we could be back here on the podcast sooner uh, than later to talk about your accomplishments. And uh, hopefully, Dave could come out and catch you guys at a, at a rink near him sometime and uh, tell us all about the story. We'll be jealous. Maybe I'll have to make a trip uh, a trip out there uh, to, to watch you guys curl. Yeah, remember, we're gonna have
1: to start the uh, Benfica podcast curling uh, team. We just we just need one more to make it a, a four person uh, team, and we're we're good. I'm I'm
0: just I'm just going for the beers. That's it.
3: Sardinhas. <laughs> yeah.
2: If you guys are ever out our way or we're near you, we're gonna teach you how to curl. So you know keep that in mind.
0: I wouldn't mind. Uh so you can follow Steve uh on Twitter at S Seixero and Gail at April, April Gale and April at April Gail Sixty. And again, uh their joint account is is at G sixty M D curling.
2: Thanks so much, guys, for having Thank us. You we so really much. appreciate
3: it. Yeah, Have a so great
0: much. night, and thanks again for joining us.
1: Okay. All right. Take care, guys. Take best care. Luck. Thank you.
3: Best of luck. Well, that, was, right? great. that, that was, was great. great. That was great, Alfredo. I think we should keep talking about curling, but that was great. That was fantastic. <laughs> that was really good. That was yeah. really good. Um, They're a good sport, man, and I wish them all the best. And, uh, you know, obviously, anytime anyone's representing our old country um, is a reason for us to uh, to talk them up and wish them best of luck. Them, along with Derek Marks and, and everybody else that's uh, joined the, DARP, I was going to say Portuguese Federation, I guess it would be a federation, right? But, uh, yeah, just fantastic. Had I known that this was a sport, I, I would have swept, I would have mopped my mom's floor <laughs> with a little bit more enthusiasm and... You know, maybe I wouldn't be here today, but maybe I'd, I'd be on the other side. Be yeah, you heard
1: it's more than just sweeping. You got to get that balance to just get the rock off.
3: The uh, sweeping and the yelling. Somebody said yeah. on the chat, how are
0: you not world champions at yeah. this? The sweeping <laughs> and the yelling. That, that, that sounds like something that uh, that Portuguese would be pretty good at. I'd be bad. I don't yell a lot, so, you yeah. So anyway, here we are. I hope that everyone enjoyed that, man. We, we certainly enjoyed that, you know, learning about the sport and, and talking to, uh, to Gail and, and, uh, and Steve. And it was, it was great. It was cool. It was, it was really good. Uh, so now back to our regularly scheduled program. Um, Benfica, obviously, right? And uh, we kind of had this set up to kind of avoid talking about Benfica, but it was such a great weekend for Benfica, right? Braga? Ed style Give you the lineup: Vlacudimus, Verissimo, Otamendi, Vertongen Gilbert, Grimault, and, uh, and João Mario, Rafa, Everton, and Darwin was the lineup. Um, so, no, no surprises here, right? Because JJ had saved some guys in uh, in Munich.
3: What's so funny? The comments. I'm just enjoying this. I'm because <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, and I didn't say that. I try to keep it appropriate. <laughs> but yeah, uh, laugh. Remember when I'd see girls yelling, hard, hard, harder. I mean, it, it's it's a dope ass sport. I mean, drinking. I mean, I've seen it on ESPN. Was this not ESPN? CS, whatever. What's it called? Which is SN? What's the channel? Yeah, Sportsnet. I've seen that stuff, uh, you know, on the internet and stuff. And so it seems like a, a party seems like a great time. And uh, I'm just enjoying the chat. Benfica. Hey, Gagnon. <laughs>
0: so, yeah. So, so as, as I was asking, um, JJ saved some guys in, in Munich. Um, Weigl, Rafa, Otamendi, Darwin. And those guys are back. And those guys were uh, were absolutely crucial for this game. Kishindo, um, did you accept... Did you expect Braga to come out and, and play Benfica the
3: way they did? I mean, coming into this game, as we talked about last week, Benfica was one in four in their last five games against Sporting Club Braga. I definitely anticipated a much much tougher match than 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 what we got at the weekend. Now, Benfica came out, took advantage of their opportunities. I just, if I'm the opposition, especially after a game like this and previous, pre, in, uh, plenty of other games that we played uh, so far this season and even on the JJ last season when, when things were doing okay. I, I don't understand why teams don't just give Benfica the ball and just, just pack it in because once you give Benfica, you know, the space, once you try to come at Benfica, Benfica has the ability to counter. They're deadly. And we've seen that with the speed of Rafa and Darwin, those guys, we often talk about here on the podcast. You can't teach speed and that speed is killer. So Benfica took advantage of their opportunities. Uh, credit to, to Braga for trying to mount a comeback. But then after that, Benfica just smashed them. Um, and it was one of those Benfica Braga matchups that we'd grown accustomed to watching over the years until recent times. Uh, because Benfica had always dominated Braga. I believe the first time we lost uh, to Braga, started to lose was that game that, 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 that uh, Enzo Perez got subbed out at halftime and left his last his very last game that he played for Benfica. That was the first time we lost since I don't even know like 86 or 66. There was a 6 in there somewhere. So Benfica was pretty dominant at home against Sporting Braga and this game was reminiscent of that. So uh credit to JJ, credit to the team for coming out and after you know a terrible week in Champions League football and having so much doubt and Benfica was finally able to put a whole 90 minutes together and uh, we just don't understand here on the podcast I'm pretty sure that our our Freddies will agree with this. We don't understand why don't we don't get more of these consistent uh I'm
0: uh, going to tell you why. Um, performances. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why. Please do. Uh, because not every team plays up on the field like Braga. And even Carvalhal admitted that because of the short rest, his, his, his game plan was fine. And that's typically what his, his style is and what this Braga style is. But the fact that Uh, They didn't have a lot of rest, right? And players were somewhat fatigued, though. They didn't have the same freshness. The high press, if it's not done correctly they end up getting burned. And I think by leaving space behind their back, it allowed Benfica to get uh, behind their back. And obviously, I'm not taking anything away from Benfica. Well, they caught Benfica
3: with that as well uh, on their their goal. They caught Benfica napping as well. Uh, Amandek pressed hard and was caught out of position, and and credit to them.
0: Yeah, but, but think about how many teams sit back in a low
3: block against Benfica. I would and, all day and
0: give Benfica and give Benfica a hard
3: time. I would all the whole day. Any, I mean, you've seen any time Benfica's play, we've seen it with the smaller squads. Anytime they give the ball to Benfica and they just play compact in the back, and Benfica struggles because we've we've stated before, there's not much creativity. Our guys, recent with with the exception of speed, they're not really taking anybody on one on one. So I, I just look. It was a perfect storm for Benfica. The opposition was tired and weren't able to press the way that they like to the press and yada yada yada. But guess what? I understand, but Benfica was tired as well. You know, I they, they had an extra two days, I believe, of rest. I get it. But these guys are professionals. And uh unfortunately this is the schedule. So look, both teams got plenty of minutes under their legs and uh Benfica just had a better day. It was it was a perfect day.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about um this, this first half. Benfica was was up very early. Um, with the goal from from Grimaldi after a good feed from from Darwin, uh, but Braga came back uh, in the 12th minute. Then we had an injury to Joao Mario, and Dave, at when you saw the injury to Joao Mario, because he's not a guy that gets injured a lot, what what did you think?
1: Uh, just the uh, the key word for Joao Mario this season has been consistent, right? He's not a player that's been flashy, but he's been a player that's been consistent every game. Uh, connecting the sectors uh, from midfield to uh, to attack there, so uh, kind of concerning. It's good to see that um, at least we've got the international break. Some international break is good for uh, something here to get these guys uh, some rest, but uh, it it gives uh, a guy like Paulo Bernardo uh, a, a chance to uh, to get some minutes and, and to uh, get some opportunity here. I know uh, we've been discussing in the last couple of podcasts that it's been the same starting uh, 11 game in and game out, and there hasn't been that much of uh, some squad rotation. So don't want to say that it was bound to happen that one of our uh, starters or one of our key players goes down for uh, with an injury, because that's not something that... Uh, we want, but um, it's good to to get opportunities for uh, Paulo Bernardo uh, to get a, a chance here to work with this team as well.
0: Yeah. Cristiano, yeah, what did you think of Paulo Bernardo? I know that uh, it, Seychelles products and in introduction to Seychelles products and the timing of it sometimes for you is a little bit of a touchy subject. But like JJ said in the post conference, it's like, look, when you're good, regardless of how old you are, regardless of where you came from, you're gonna play.
3: You, you asking me?
1: Oh, I yeah. thought you asked my, my I, name's I, not Cristiano. I didn't.
3: I was putting on the head. I'm sorry. I went to get a bottle of water. Uh, the question was about the social products. No, no. I'm sorry, cause I put on the headphones. I'm so sorry. I thought paul, you. Said paul Bernardo. What about him? my thoughts on him? Yeah. He's He's he's, he's a nice prospect. Okay? What, how did you think he made out in this one game? I didn't Look, it's it's good for a kid that age to get to get his minutes to get to get some experience at this level. Um I wasn't overly impressed. I wasn't overly depressed. I was just Look, the kid came in um first real minutes at home i believe right if i'm not mistaken
0: yeah first real yeah, the champions his, league. yeah
3: he played in the champions whatever this was his first i think it was his league debut if i'm not mistaken something like that so i look i kid kid's a young kid so i don't want to be critical i don't want to pump him up yet i think i think we we have a player that uh from everything that i hear um that this kid is quality he's legit he's the real deal that the kid has tremendous amount of talent I didn't see any of that from this one particular game. I think this is a kid that we have to nurture. We have to take care. We can't rush these kids. We have to understand, and like myself uh, included, we have to understand that they're they're um, young. You know they're still 19 years old. They're gonna get better over the years with time and experience. And uh, I don't want to burn the kid and throwing them out there, with expecting too much right away, and then obviously not living up to expectations because the kid isn't ready. Then you're burning a your kid. So I, I think Benfica and George Jesus has to be smart um, with the way that we use them. Use them when we need to use them. I don't. I don't think we should apply him in pressure situations yet. I like to develop this kid the right way. Bring him along in time. Um, and then you know hopefully next year I'll unleash him. and if he gets to that point at some you know at some point during the season, fine. but I don't think he's ready to be unleashed yet, but obviously he's a good player. Um, he's a player that, that's that's got a bright future ahead of him. and I just uh, would like to take our time with, with the way that we develop him. That's it. But you know again, he did what he had to do, he didn't do anything spectacular, didn't do anything bad in this one game, you know, moved the ball, got into space, moved it quickly was able to touch the ball around, but in a game like this with tons of space around him, I mean, look, if he wasn't able to do that, I'd really be disappointed in his performance. So credit to him, you know, he's got to be ready when you get those opportunities, but I just, you know, I'd, I'd be worried about be put too much on his plate right away. So in due time, I think he'll get there. Yeah,
0: I guess that's fair. I mean, uh, did play simple. And perhaps that's what it was asked for. Yeah, don't, don't overcomplicate things. Just play mm-hmm. simple. Um, but what I noticed, and as I'm noticing, Head always on a swivel, always seeing where he was uh, before he got the ball, uh, while he was adjusting to defend. fence. Um, and, and look, it's, it's a guy that has obviously been working with the team and, and has the, the, the soccer or football IQ uh, to understand what J.J. wants from him. Now it's just a matter of building up on that, as Cristiano mentioned, uh, and really get it to the next level. I think it's, it's that simple um Verissim picked up a, a season ending injury in the 34th minute. We all saw that and when we saw that we we knew it was pretty bad. Um Morato came in. Uh Cristiano do we, do we go to the market f- uh for a center back or do we revert to the four uh the four uh defender setup?
3: I would uh you asking me I'd go back to a 442 and not only because we're very thin in the back line at the moment, but also because we saw in a game um this past weekend where maybe the way the team is set up right now, the way that we're playing with the three four three and and not really having somebody in the middle that's able to link up with the lone striker up top, there's might not be a room for a guy like a Sferovic or, or Yaramchuk Chuk. So I think you play in a four four two um you You compare those guys along with another one of you know the darwins of the world another guy is going to be a little bit more physical that could press a little bit more than they can i think i think it 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 serves both um you know it kills two birds with one stone it serves both purposes so i might just switch it back to a four four two uh if we're able to go out and get another uh center back with experience hey then you know keep things as, as, as they are but right now facts are we're in the middle of uh November. So you got to wait at least another month and a half. You got a bunch of crucial games coming up before you can go to the market and get yourself a center back. So now if you're playing in this 3-4-3 system and you just swap out Morato, I mean swap out Verissimo and insert Morato, which you you know, very well can can do. But the problem is what happens with the next injury? What happens if Morato himself goes down? What happens if Vertonghen Otamendi? Do well, you got, got Ferro? Now, now I, <laughs> Ferro Ferro lado, man. Federal right but, now does Like, but, count. but if he doesn't count, why isn't he playing for the B team? I don't I haven't listened the fact is he hasn't playing anywhere, and I don't understand. Like, I'm with you. I'm with you. If this is a kid that we a kid, whatever. You name the player. If this was a player that had gotten minutes at some point throughout the season, like Morato. Morato's playing games here and there. He'd start a game, then he'd come off the bench another game, and you knew he was really, you know, the fourth option. I mean, I can't even tell you what Ferro's done really. I mean, Ferro doesn't even get any minutes in the freaking tasa de cerveja. So how could I tell you now all of a sudden I'm going to rely on this guy to come into the lineup and be a regular for me over the next month and a half until I could go out to the market and get me someone when he hasn't even played in the tasa de cerveja games? I just think it's it's a lot to ask for. And, and Diogo, I, I'm reading your comment, give Ferro a chance. I'm not saying I wouldn't give him a chance. I'm just being honest. He hasn't got much playing time. How do we know what we got there? We really don't. He's not playing. What's the reason he's not playing? We don't know. It's it's not as simple as you guys, you and I coming on here on a podcast. And, and you know, obviously we have the microphone and you guys with the with, with with the comments, which we, you know, appreciate. And one day we'll open up the mics for you guys as well. But, look, it's one thing us coming out here and saying, oh, well, I'll give this guy, give that guy. But there's, there's a reason why he doesn't play. He hasn't played now. And, and over a year, I mean, think about it. He left Benfica on loan to Valencia, played that very first game against Real Madrid, didn't play another minute again for that team. Hasn't played since. Come back to Benfica, hasn't really played, doesn't play in games in the thoughts the That leads me to believe that, bro, like, he doesn't count. Now, you're not asking me my opinion. I'm not making the decisions. I'm just trying to be in JJ's head. What's the reason why he hasn't gotten a single minute? it has got to be something there. So, I, I I don't know. Look, if he's ready to go, if if you know, I'm good. Roll him out there. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? We recover another player, right? A guy that at one point we all thought we all thought was on the road was on the path to being a fantastic player, right? So I mean, the worst that could happen. You recover that guy. But I I, I don't know. There's 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 got to be something else there, guys. I mean, Alfredo, Dave. What do you, I mean, what do you think? The guy's been seldomly used over the last year and a half. I mean. God, I mean, would you really trust him and trust the guy today? Listen, God forbid, tomorrow Morato's out. And now you got to go to somebody. I think Alfredo, he'd, he'd be quicker, he'd, you know, on the Almeida. Oh, he might, he, you know, he might do something like that before he goes to a federal. And That's I'm not knocking federal. That's what
1: we've seen, too, in in higher leverage games. Like, he's only been used in the trophies game. He got seventy minutes uh, there in the uh, the Tasa game, but
3: okay, that was the Tasa game, yeah. Right.
1: There, uh, I don't know if it, if his confidence is, is shot or there's no trust in there with this uh, this uh, this coaching staff. But I wouldn't thrust him right into the the starting lineup right now. Maybe utilize these. Uh, these games here, I think we've got a game with uh, Covia, uh coming up uh, in either November or December. Uh, maybe that's an opportunity for him to showcase to see what he can bring. If he succeeds there, maybe then you give him a, another uh, smaller club uh, in the league play. But I don't thrust him right back into the uh, the starting 11 right away. I mean, look, they talk about.
0: Xander, that's a good question for you.
3: Smith is turning against Trailer. You'd rather
0: <laughs> that in January or give Ferro an opportunity? That's
3: a great question. Listen, the facts are let's talk about facts. All right. Speculations is, is, is something else. We're going to talk about facts. Facts are everything you hear, reports are that they're promoting the kid of right? That's the kid that's getting prepped to be called up and he's going to be the option. I mean, there. are everybody. I mean, again, I understand it's just, you know. Paper talk, right? But some of them, some of these guys get these inside scoops from somebody at the club. They don't just go out on a limb and whip out a rumor out of a hat and say, let's go. I mean, they do a lot of times. But with things like this, I think that there's there's somebody that's feeding them something in their ear. And if indeed that is the case, think about it. Like a kid from the B teams being, you know, passing right over Ferro. Federal's being passed over for a guy like that. So, how could I sit here in good faith and tell, oh, yeah, Morato at the end of get hurt tomorrow? That's cool. I, psh, I'd, I'd play federal all day. I, I honestly, I, I don't think I could tell you that if that's what's going to make you happy, but I don't think that's what JJ going to do. Good, good question.
0: Um, Benfica would end up uh, scoring three more goals Darwin and assisted Rafa assisted by Everton and then again Rafa assisted once again by Everton as, as a matter of fact both Rafa and Everton had uh, monster games and, and this was something that we had been asking or waiting for from Everton for, for the longest time uh, but Benfica goes into the locker room uh, 4-1 and I think that was uh, that was really the game uh, after initial period was it where- 4-3 Alfredo Four one, I thought it was three. I thought it was three. I don't
3: know, I'm going crazy. I'm sorry. I wrote notes so I thought it was And I wrote three.
0: them as it was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, four one, uh, and I think that was all she wrote. Uh, there was an initial period, as I mentioned, uh, that Brago seemed that they were they were gonna play eye to eye, but when they scored the equalizer, but I think after that it was all Benfica. Uh, five one, uh, Everton with the Rafa assist in the 50, 52nd minute, and then the 59-6-1 Everton again with the Darwin assist. And I think that after that, I think the team just um, put it put it in Pizzi control, brought in Pizzi, and then the game just just stayed the way it was. <laughs> you know what it was? They
3: scored three uh, – th- that early goal just – yeah, you're right. They scored three goals right at the end of the first half. So I don't know why I was thinking it was only 3-1. But sabes know Kyoto that's why you're the capitão. Well, I take
0: notes while you just – you know you try to remember shit
3: and i do a bad job of that at times
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but look i i think that after all the 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 talk during the week of 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 upheaval in the locker room and and CMTV and record and Otamendi and JJ uh, I think that the team couldn't have answered uh, all these rumors uh, any better than what they did on the field obviously JJ addressed that in uh, the pre-game conference and then he addressed it again in the post game conference so he's just uh, you know don't believe everything you hear. Obviously there's always things, there's little tidbits of information that escaped and then that people kind of build up on that. Uh, But I think that it was very far from the truth because if the team was not with JJ, this would have been the perfect game to let him fall. And the team didn't. As a matter of fact, the team, this is probably the best, not probably, I think this is the best I've seen the team play this season. Dave, would you agree?
1: I just want to take it back a little bit. If this wasn't uh, the game f- that the players wanted to uh, kind of make the bet for JJ, to bring it back three years, we were kind of in the same situation with uh, maybe even more than three years when uh, Rui Vittoria was still uh, the manager. We were coming into a big match against uh, Braga at home as well. And the, all the talk going into that match was if Benfica didn't get the results uh Vitoria was going to be out, and then we ended up putting a, a 6-2 scoreline together that match day uh followed by the uh infamous uh 2-0 result in uh Portimonense uh, where uh, that was uh, Rui Vitoria's last match uh, in charge of the club so kind of uh kind of interesting to see that uh late, a couple of years down the road the same thing is kind of right uh playing out again where we uh, had some turmoil with the club and we were able to pull out uh, a and on uh, Braga hope that uh, we don't lose the next match to, two uh, nil, but I hope this is just something of uh, more to come and not uh, an anomaly.
0: Yeah. And JJ, I've been complaining that the team had been playing too many games and not enough to work out the team. And I know that he's going to be missing some internationals, but certainly these, these, what week or, or 10 days, um, of, of players just having the, the team to, to himself and just playing. It's going to be – it's going to do well. Uh, but it always seems that as as Benfica has a good game, we have an international break that interrupts that momentum that we're gathering. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, but certainly this international break, and especially with Jomari, which I hope is nothing, nothing serious. Obviously, Verissimo, as I mentioned, he's gone for the season – um, or he's he's gonna not be available for this for the rest of the season. Uh, but Joe Mario, I hope that he's he's able to uh, get get back um, and, and be healthy. Uh, he was dismissed or he was um, excused from the national team, uh, which is probably a good thing. I don't know if he would have been wanted to be associated with that national team or whatever went on with the national team today. Um, but that's it. Good win for Benfica against Braga, against the team that was right under us, uh, despite having uh, some some points uh, difference, uh, but certainly
3: a good win for Benfica. Christian? What's, uh, what's the word on João Mario's injury? Because he obviously was subbed out pretty early in that game as well. I haven't read anything. Maybe the
0: Freddies know something, but I haven't read anything, and apparently it wasn't something that was – it might have just been a, a knock on his on – his on his back or, or maybe a Charlie horse on his back or whatever it was. Um, I'm not really sure. I haven't read anything, but uh, he may be okay.
3: I hope so. He did, yeah. Obviously, he, got, he, got up. he didn't have to report to the national team due to this injury. Right, Dave?
1: Neither him or Rafa, both of them.
0: Yeah. Um, Dave, stats on this game, man.
1: Yeah, some positive uh, stats here. Uh, I think, dude, I don't even know if we went over it. Everton uh, kind of had a, a breakout uh, performance uh, with uh, the club here. He had two goals and uh, two assists. And in, in the uh, last 10 years, only four players uh, for Benfica have uh, scored twice and had two assists in the uh, same game. Um, Everton, Seferovic, Jonas, and uh, Nolito were the other uh, three individuals uh, there. So uh, good to see Everton uh, pulling out a performance that we've all been wanting and talking about the last couple of weeks here. And uh, both Rafa and Darwin are now tied as Benfica's top goal scorers with uh, eight apiece.
3: Maybe George Drew's listened to our last uh, couple of podcasts where, where I you know, over and over told him that some players need to be treated differently. And uh this is not what uh what Everton was brought to Benfica to do, which was defend. Maybe, maybe the word trickled, trickled into the locker room. And JJ, what do you think, Alfredo? I mean, we got
1: He's there oh, in your uh, He definitely heard us. He definitely he's there in your office, isn't he, Chris? We got
3: we got Portuguese curling officials who are f- fans of our podcast and might not have Benfica uh you know, managers listen to our podcast. You never know. JJ could listen all he
0: wants. He probably won't understand a lick <laughs>
3: nah, of what Guy is being said. Speaks English, bro. He speaks <laughs> English. Como JJ's a fan of
1: curling. <laughs> JJ. JJ's
3: a curler. He's got he's got his own sheet of ice at home. You got enough money for it. Yeah, Bruno's
0: saying upper body injury, but nothing to uh nothing serious for Joe Mario. Um I haven't heard anything. So like Carlos said, no news is good news. Anyway, uh what else we got? That's it, right? Let's wrap yeah. it up. All right, bye guys. Hey, Take, curling next, team, keep it up! Yeah, next week, uh, obviously, because of international break, we're also going to be taking an international break. Uh, we'll be back the following week to bring you more content.
3: If you're looking for Portuguese curling content, and you, you happen to trickle in and, and you know stumble upon our podcast, don't, Alfredo's the guy to follow. And Dave, Dave's an expert. Me, if you want to party, I'll be outside doing the interviews, <laughs> walking around the stadium. I'll do that. But Alfredo's your sideline guy, so. Uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm still buzzing, man. It was, I'm, I'm excited. That, that this was great, cool. man. That it was, was great. great. That was fantastic. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. All right, one, take care, Dave. Always good to see you. you what do we play next, Dave? Before you go,
1: Passos for the uh, the Tasa on the fifth, on the nineteenth. Yeah, that's a cup. Friday. All then
0: the- uh, we, we we have Barcelona. And then we got Barcelona. That's yeah. right. Take care, everyone. A Barcelona that's now being coached by Javi. The orange closed his Javi.
3: Raining at the same. Fechou os olhos e meteu lá o passo. Later, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Arrivederci. Ciao.